Welcome in to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. This is episode 311. We're going to be recapping, giving our winners and losers from week eight of college football. And honestly, not that good of a week of college football. I'm joined here by my host, Jack Wallace, as always. Jack, your thoughts on this weekend, just as a whole of college football? I was kind of disgusted by everything I saw. I it, it was pretty bizarre, uh, to say the least. We had a good chunk of undefeated teams fall here. I mean, not a lot, but a couple more start to fall off. Um, and again, it wasn't undefeated versus undefeated, like we're going to see some this weekend. It was just some teams that lost that were kind of confusing. Uh, the playoff odds are now all over the place. We'll get to that, obviously, later. But just a lot of bizarre, chaotic games. Uh, some of the chaos I did see coming, some of it was uh, a little bit unusual, but I think we're getting to the point of the season, which I, we usually say around this time where teams are hitting around eight games, that you're really starting to see who are your real kind of contender teams. And I don't mean just like your obvious teams, like what Georgia's been or Alabama's been, but like your whole sort of like who are the real teams in that kind of top 15 range that really deserve to be there. Because obviously the first few weeks are iffy and you don't really know. But I think now we're really starting to get down to that. And then when you see the teams that are starting to fall out of the rankings or below, you can maybe sort of say, okay, maybe that team's just sort of done, which we'll get to that later too, that we found a few teams that uh, I think we've pretty much have talked out and may not have much to say the rest of the year on. But it at least was entertaining. I can say that. A lot of games that were entertaining, uh, some few shocking results we'll get to. So – We'll get to that later. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to dive right into our winners and losers. Try to get you a shorter episode today. We know this is in the middle of uh, the World Series and um, NBA on ESPN currently. Um, So we're going to try to get you in and out as quick as possible. But Jack, why don't you tee us up with your first winner here? Well, my first winner here tonight is going to be extra free football because I know there's one thing that I really love, and it's free things. And we also love football. So what goes better than free football? And we certainly had that this weekend. Now, I almost put this one as a loser, and in fact, you did. So if you want to kind of mesh these two together, if you want, uh, we can because I kind of think it ties kind of well. But – Free football means overtime, and we had nine overtimes in a single game this weekend, which is the first time in history we've ever even had more than seven. Uh, In fact, the last seven-overtime game was the infamous Texas A&M-LSU game that is still one of my personal favorite college football games of all time that I watched all those overtimes, and goodness, I love that. Love, love, love it. But this game was a little more strange. We finally got the overtime rules changed where it was – Every single, uh, I think it was after second overtime, it was every single play. It's just a one-try, two-point conversion, back and forth, basically like a football version of a penalty shootout, and you just go forever. And obviously with two-point conversions, you're going to end pretty quickly, we thought. But uh, both these teams were pretty incompetent um, at getting anything. I think it was uh, about, was it 10 straight or some kind of absurd uh, back and forth of nobody scoring? Um, And then finally, finally, we were able to get a score in. And then um, both teams at least got one each. And then Illinois got the final score to walk it off and a 20 to 18 victory over Penn state who had one of the most embarrassing games in a while. But 
Yeah, we love football. We love getting free football no matter what it is. Uh, but, yeah, for Illinois, this is one of their biggest wins. Uh, I know I've had them a lot in my uh, loser area simply because this team, as well as Brett Bielema, have been pretty disgusting this season. But I, they found a way in this game. Yeah, James Franklin uh, is is actually one of my losers. Um, and I'll go ahead and elaborate on that right now. Because America lost as a result of James Franklin losing. And I, I realize that maybe I am a little biased here, but I feel like everyone kind of goes for Penn State um, just in general because they always feel like Penn State is the best chance that, uh, that anyone in the Big Ten has to knock off Ohio State and make the playoff in any given year. Um and this was just absolutely – you can't do this if you're a playoff team. I mean, Penn State had no offense in this game, and now I guess Ohio State's just going to make the playoff, um, which is really sad, and no one should ask for that, and it's going to be Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. Um, I love how we still haven't even had um, – <laughs> like we still haven't even had Michigan and Michigan State lose a single game. We know they play this weekend, so of course one of them will get one. No, neither but of those teams it, are beating Ohio State. But I know that's the, the part that's depressing, but the part that we all know is that there's just no chance that Ohio State's going to blow this, and uh, which we, we know is, is sad for America, but um, it's just bound to happen. So it's it's pretty pretty depressing. But um, I did want to make one other point, though, about, about free football. This was not good free football. Let me mind you. This is not good free football. This was indeed free football, but it was not quality football. So I did want to say you, you love to have that, but um, it it, it still was was pretty bad. Uh, this was, I just I don't even know how we can get this many losses in here. But I did want to say that um, I think this was this a quote from, I think this is a YouTube quote. Oh yeah, when um when Brett Bielema back in 2015 said that beating Texas was, quote, borderline erotic was his quote. I think you can say that this much extra free football was, quote, borderline erotic, if you want to take a, uh, a Brett Bielema quote. And quote. <laughs> <Right there>. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Quote, quote from Brett Bielema. Um, just to put this in perspective, Illinois had 67 rushes for 357 yards in this game. <laughs> my goodness <laughs> um penn state had 29 rushes for 62 yards in this game not to mention only God. 165 yards passing on 34 attempts um this was the epitome of offensive inefficiency uh from the nittany lions and part of the reason i wanted to put james franklin on here uh was because James Franklin, in his press conference this week, uh, and let me remind you, they play Ohio State this week. Um, he said, our focus is on Illinois. Um, we're getting ready to play in the big house. Something to that effect. I don't have the exact quote, but um, just a couple points here. One, you played Illinois last week, um, and two – uh, the shoe is very, very different from the big house, which is, of course, uh, Michigan Stadium in Ann Arbor. Uh, 
I don't know what to make of these comments, but James Franklin is probably done at Penn State. Not going to get fired, but if LSU or USC come a calling, you got to think that James Franklin's going to run out of the Big Ten um, and avoid Ohio State for the rest of time uh, and, and avoid the Big Ten as much as he possibly can. Yeah, it just it just keeps aging poorly for this man. We know what he did at Vanderbilt was incredibly impressive and still will always forever be impressive. I don't think that'll ever go away, but it's just he just you can't get over the final point and Penn State is the perennial 10 and 2 team where they lose the two biggest games of the season and it seems like the well and that's the the saddest part of this They're game which I haven't gotten Florida. to. They no, but the, but, but, Florida. But at least Florida got a national championship at recent memory and even if you recent look memory, at memory that was that was like 13 years ago. And when's the last Penn State title? <laughs> yeah, like the 80s. That's still a major difference. That's but we a really are a long difference. way removed from Urban Meyer uh, at Florida. That was two coaching stops ago. I wouldn't count that as recent memory. Maybe I, I would. I don't know. 2008 and 1986 are very different. I think that's very different. I don't think that's nearly the same, especially because of all no, the it, insanity Penn State's had to go through over the last 10 years plus. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying Florida hasn't avoided some of that, but, I mean, Penn State was about as close as you get to basically getting the death penalty after everything that happened to them. So it's like I, I wouldn't – I mean, Penn State, I, I know I know Florida's been through a lot, but, like, it, at least you can still say that Florida has had some quantifiable success more than Penn State has. I mean, I think that's very fair to say. Yeah, but they're very comparable teams since that championship. Um, and speaking of Penn State, uh, do you know who Penn State's coach was uh, after they got the death penalty? The one who brought them out um, almost got 40 years in yes. the desert. Who was that? <laughs> that was the greatest, the greatest coaching mind of our generation, um, Mr. Bill O'Brien. Of course, <laughs> um, was the coach uh, yes. when Penn State uh, got uh, got dug out of the death penalty, and that transitioned perfectly into my um, first winner from Week Eight, which is the first half Tennessee Vols, because at one point in the first quarter. Tennessee was leading Alabama 14 to seven. It's the first time that Tennessee has put up double digit points on Bama in the first quarter since 1995. So I'm not going to go in really sad. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 1995 Bama's had plenty of bad seasons in between now and 1995. Like they, they were like that pretty bad in the early Bama. 2000s. Like, that wasn't that. Oh, we've it had wasn't a, lot of a bad Bama seasons since 1995. Yeah, like I mean, we know we talk about it being amazing, but like between whew. 95 and 2008, <laughs> there's a lot of bad Bama. In fact, you want to talk about that? 96 Bama was 10 and three. That's fair. They were four and seven in 97, seven and five in 98, pretty good in 99, three and eight in 2000. Three and eight Alabama in 2000, seven and five in 01. Again, good 10 and three in 02, four and nine, six and six. Um, 2005 was, well, they had the vacated wins, uh, but then still six and seven in 06, seven and six in 07. I mean, 
you, you had to get all the way to 2008 before we actually saw like Bama be pretty solid. And since then, I mean, obviously Bama's had double digit wins. Like the last time that Bama had under 11 wins in a season was 2010 when they still won the Capital One Bowl. So, and went 10 and three. But look, so we, yeah, it's, knew, it's... <laughs> we, we knew that Bama was going to blow Tennessee out in this game. That wasn't a question. The line in this game was like 24 and a half. I believe I got it in the seven point teaser at 31 and a half, which, by the way, I went like five of six on my uh, teaser last Sunday. And can you guess who the loser was? I'm just going to tell you. It was Utah, who I got it plus three. Against Oregon State, um, that was that was a bad beat. Uh, nonetheless, we knew Bama was going to come into this game and blow out Tennessee. All that Tennessee had to do was look respectable until Bama figured out how to blow them out. And I think they very well did that job. Um, this is a Tennessee program that I really, really do believe um, is on the up and up, maybe not on the like 10 win season up and up, but like nine wins is not out of the question for this team in the future. Um, if they should um, find themselves in that position, uh, the offense is coming together. Uh, the defense is a little shaky, uh, but with some recruiting, I believe that that can be corrected. Uh, Josh Heupel is definitely the right guy for the job, I believe. But let's move on. Jack, give me your second winner. Well, my second winner is a winner that I 100% saw coming. I did actually pretty well this week on my college football picks, but uh, one of the biggest reasons I did well was because I decided to roll with a couple of big upsets, and a lot of those ended up paying off. And one of them was Oklahoma State losing to Iowa State, which I was very confident about picking last episode we had with college football because what did I say? Every year, Iowa State pulls this off. Every year they beat somebody they shouldn't beat. That's way higher than them in the rankings in Ames. They do it every season. Usually it's Oklahoma. But you know what? Oklahoma State is close enough in my book. And they pulled it off this year. They did a great job doing it. And it was a pretty close game here, 24-21. Another close game here, but again, it's October and Ames, and that's what happens here. Brock Purdy woke up. He had 370 yards and two touchdowns. Brees Hall, who, uh, yeah, the whole Heisman-Brees Hall take has actually aged pretty terribly. Um, at least we did have a running back in the race for it, which it looks like that may actually happen this year with guys like Sean Tucker and Kenneth Walker III having fantastic seasons, so you never know. Um, and again, I'm not trying to say Brees Hall has been bad by any means. He still has 818 yards and 11 touchdowns and averages 5.3. Like it's <laughs> Brees Hall is still a fantastic running back, but he's not even the best in the Big 12. Of course, Bijan Robinson. So it's, it's it, it, we thought he was going to be world beating and he hasn't been, but he still was very good in this game. 70 yards and a touchdown was still great. And yeah, Iowa State looked like the better team in control. It was actually 14 7 at halftime, but Iowa State was able to really get control over this game a 17 to 7 second half. And I really was able to shut down the pokes pretty well here, despite a pretty good run by Oklahoma State getting the ball back late in the fourth quarter. But uh, Iowa State still able to close it out. So, yeah, this is a game I saw coming. It happens every year. Um, but Iowa State still got a pretty tough road ahead of them. They, I'm looking at their schedule. Um, at West Virginia shouldn't be that tricky. We know West Virginia is not that good on the road. It's going to be tough. Uh, Texas will always be an interesting game. At Tech should be pretty easy. 
at Oklahoma will be very difficult, and then TCU at home. So that's why I was saying they got to get the one big win, and we know that Texas is really not that all that hyped up to be. And then obviously TCU and AIM should not be very difficult. So I was thinking this would be the one big game and ended up paying off. And look at that. Iowa State's right back in the rankings. And look, I'll give Brock Purdy his credit. 27 for 33 against a top 10 team is a good line. Um, he was solid. He was solid. And I want to give him credit for that. However, I will still stand by the take that I don't think Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. And I will stand by my Oklahoma State pick based on that principle. Uh, but Spencer Sanders wasn't a good quarterback either. I mean, 15 for 24, 225 yards, three touchdowns. Well, that's, yeah, that's why I had him in this game. I mean, it's still Spencer Sanders, and I trust him less than Purdy. And Sanders didn't have a bad game at all. I mean, they, neither of these quarterbacks had a bad game, actually. Interesting enough, no turnovers in this game. A pretty clean game, really. I mean, it wasn't bad. Clean actually, I, I would I would like to see um, on team stats real quick as well. Uh, whoa, okay, well, <laughs> uh, never mind my clean game take. Uh, Oklahoma with seven penalties and Iowa State with four, so – not entirely, but yeah, maybe the penalty game a little more impactful. I mean, seven versus four is usually pretty big over twice the yard. So I guess that could be seen coming. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's move on to my second winner, which are traditional ACC powerhouses. And by that, I mean Wake Forest and Pitt. Traditional. Traditional in every sense of the word. Uh, Wake. Let's start there. 70 to 45 over Army. Now, giving up 45 points to Army is something we once thought only Oklahoma could do. But Wake made it pretty easy for them, yet, yet, scored 70 themselves. Um, I, the I ACC's find... defense is way worse than the Big 12, and no one talks about it. Sorry, it's way 56, worse. 56. That's what Army it's way playing. worse. 70 to 56. Uh, Hartman from Wake Forest, 458 yards, five touchdowns, and no interceptions. Now, I know Army is not a great team, but is it time for us to start taking this Wake team seriously? I have watched this team in person. I saw when Wake Forest came to Syracuse and was able to get a big win. And a little bit of this Wake team, and Al, before I make this take, I do need to at least see their record so far. But a little bit, I mean, not record, I'm sorry, I meant like who exactly they've played throughout these weeks. Because they played Duke this week, who is, as we know, horrible. So they yes, should get a pretty way. easy win. This team is reminding me a little bit not a lot but a little bit of the vibes that 2019 Baylor brought me which is a team that played competitively and well against a lot of teams but never really looked like a world beater and the one point that I'm not going to say why I'm saying only a little bit like that not a lot is that at the end of the day when you play a team like Virginia on the road that really isn't that bad and you beat them by 20, that means something. I know Florida State winning by a lot is not a big deal, and they did. Norfolk State barely counts. Old Dominion barely counts. But, I mean, that's a pretty easy schedule. You've been play Louisville, who's a decent team, not awful, but decent. 
You only beat them by three in a really close game. You play Syracuse, who is another decent team that's not awful, and you beat them by three in overtime on the road with a really poor defensive performance. And Syracuse, who is known for not having a good offense, let them do whatever they want. And then Army, who you let them score 56, but again, your offense carried you. So to me, I more am not extremely taking Wake seriously. I'm really taking Sam Hartman seriously. And I think that's the take that should be taken more here, is I think that Sam Hartman is a quarterback who should be in the running, if not the first-place guy, maybe besides Pickett for Pittsburgh. Um, I don't really know the difference between them right now in terms of what they look like, but wow, Hartman has been really, really good this season. He already has over 2,000 passing yards, 19 touchdowns, and three picks. He's really impressed me. So if you're going to give a a real who-should-you-take-seriously-here, Sam Hartman deserves all your respect. He has been really, really good this year. Well, look, I know you mentioned both of those guys, but do you know who leads the lead or leads the nation in passing yards this season? And who might that be? That would be Brendan Armstrong, quarterback for Virginia. Now, I know we just talked about Wake beating that team in Virginia, but if you're going to do, you know, an ACC QB ranking, I would say it's Brendan Armstrong pretty uh, solidly ahead of the pack there um th- just a note to throw in but jack give me your winner number three from this week well my winner number three for this one and this won't take too long but i just wanted to, uh, to really highlight him um and this one's going to be travis die now travis die is a running back out of Oregon, and he had one of the most bizarre days in a long while, actually setting an FBS record this weekend because he had four straight carries for four touchdowns. In fact, he only got 35 yards the whole game, but those four carries in a row were four touchdowns, and no player in the history of football has ever done that before. So really remarkable work from Travis Stein, this Oregon team, to take down UCLA. Um, I had Oregon in this game. I think – did you pick Oregon too? I don't remember if you did. No, we had it written down. UCLA. Okay, well – Oh, no, no, that's right, because we both had Oregon and you switched your pick. Because um, I was – I and I still was confident about Oregon in this game. I knew that, that Vegas and the line was really tempting because when you have a two-loss UCLA team unranked at home playing a top-10 Oregon and they're favored, <laughs> something's got to be off. And for this game, I said, you know what, I'm going to hold a little steady here. And I've decided to hold steady because I was like, I still think this Oregon team is just too much better than them. And a lot of it, especially due to die ended up being right. And so I think that was that I'm glad that I rolled with them. And even though UCLA did put up a really good fight in the end, I mean, the game was actually kind of over and then UCLA scored twice late and almost brought it back. But um, Oregon stopped them at the end with a good interception, the last drive. But, um, but yeah, I just I, I think Oregon's still an impressive team. I think this win against UCLA was huge for their odds. Uh, not really playoffs anymore, but more for getting deeper when it comes to postseason because Colorado's up next and they're not good. Then it's at Washington, who's not good. Washington State, who's painfully average. At Utah, who we'll mention later for really sort of dumping the bed. And then Oregon State, which I am really excited for the Civil War rematch. We know that game was electric last season, but Oregon State's actually sneakily not bad. Oregon State's been kind of nice this year. Um, talking about some really low-key teams that are that are more like the, oh, boy, I can't wait to watch them in whatever random bowl they end up in. <clears throat> but, yeah, Oregon State will be a lot of fun. So I, I, I'm really excited to watch them. But um, 
but yeah, I think Travis Dye was obviously huge in this game. I think Oregon's getting back on the right track here. Uh, this is a really important win for them and a pretty big loss for UCLA. It's a great opportunity for UCLA to get a big win. Um, really disappointing for them. They fell short. Yeah, Chip Kelly kind of squandering what I think is a pretty good UCLA team here. Uh, my third and final winner of the week um, is a, a little bit of a TCU-specific one. But since we were both there, there during his uh, tenure, I think it's very necessary to mention. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce to you Power Five interim head coach, Sonny Cumby. <laughs> Welcome to the stage, Sonny. Oh. oh, my goodness. Can you believe that Sonny Cumby is a head coach before Gary Patterson leaves TCU? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I, I know. Of course, I know our expectations. The, hill, the heels of Matt Wells being fired at Texas Tech. So it's not like he's taking over, you know, the greatest program on earth. But Sonny Cumbie is a Power 5 head coach for the rest of the season. This is must-watch football if you're a TCU fan um, who was very upset with Sonny Cumbie uh, during his tenure at TCU. Because it feels like the opposite. It feels like at, at TCU, when he was at TCU, he wanted to run the ball nonstop. And now TCU just refuses to run the ball, even though they have great running backs. Um, Sonny Cumbie. I, I, I just keep going back to that. Sonny Cumbie is a Power 5 head coach. I honestly find it hard to comprehend because <laughs> – I mean, I know we're really sort of digging this point in and, and making a lot of jokes about it, but um, it, it just is – oh, God. It, it's hard to really put this into words because, you I mean, you knew that Texas Tech is, is not exactly screaming competency is a good way to word Texas Tech football. So you've never sat there and said, wow, this team is really competent. It's been a, it's been a real long time since I thought that about Texas Tech as a whole. Mike but. This, yeah, I, it's been a while, but it's just, I, I don't know even how to think about this. I mean, everybody knows that this was done, obviously, initially as an, an interim. You just, it wasn't an, oh, yeah, let's go hire somebody to come and be our head coach. But no, no one in their um, right mind would ever do that. No, and, and we know Texas Tech is not usually a team to be in their right mind, but they're not this crazy to have him be hired. It's just he happened to get the job. So um, I can say that, uh, it will definitely definitely be a comedy of errors, and I look very much forward to seeing how this team performs. We know Texas Tech is not exactly known for winning this season, um, at least in big games of late. We know they started out to a surprising 3-0 start, but it's been pretty bad since then. Um, and actually, yeah, they choked pretty badly to Kansas State this week. Should have won that game. But they play Oklahoma this week. So the first game of Sonny Cumbie's career will be in Norman against Oklahoma. So... Um, I can't say I don't want them to win. That would be the funniest upset of all time. If Sonny Cumbie won in Norman to ruin Oklahoma season um, would bring an immense amount of warmth to my heart. So I really do hope he wins this weekend uh, just out of the pure hilarity and shock value. But um, I can safely say that's not going to happen. But 
Well, during uh, I can his sure entire, wanted to. During his entire tenure at TCU as offensive coordinator, Sonny Cumbie's offense only finished in the top half of the Big 12 once, and that was 2017 when we had a shot to make the playoff, um, and Sonny Cumbie just refused to give the ball to Darius Anderson, who was clearly the best player on the field at all times. Um, think of all the talent that came out of those offenses. I mean, we're talking about Lucas Niang. We're talking about Jalen Rager back when Cavante Turpin – uh back before he decided to uh punch his girlfriend um and get kicked off the team i mean talk about an offense completely squandered and you're talking about the sunny cumby tenure at uh tcu it was not very pretty um and for that i cannot wait to watch sunny cumby just run this texas tech program into the absolute ground but let's I'm move excited. on to losers this runs hand in hand with my sunny com sunny com sunny cumby comment there, there you we go. go actually <laughs> um jack give me your first loser oh yeah i was actually uh, already primed and ready for this because we talked about the former tcu side well let's talk about the tcu side because oh boy do we have some <laughs> words to say now let me just start this off with, I think it's fair to say that you, know have brought up more issues slash conversations about TCU this season than I have so far. Which is fair. Yeah. But I, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to get my two cents in because I've been a little quieter on this because either you've ever covered everything well enough where there hasn't been really much to add or there just hasn't been much to talk about because, you know, back with the SMU and Texas chokes was very painful. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, SMU has been consistently solid since then. This is a different SMU team than the dumb SMU team we would beat up on every single year from now. They're actually a competent football team. As much as it does suck to lose them, and we still should beat them, it's not devastating. Losing to Texas sucks, but you only lost by five. It's still a Texas team. It's a competent team with really good players like Robinson that we don't really have an answer for. It's not the absolute end of the world. There is something that is the end of the world, and that's losing to West Virginia by 12 at home. That, to me, is end of the world kind of angry because I get you lose to Oklahoma last week, who's not the best team either. Four straight. But you, but you let, years. But that's the point I was going to make, too, that you let them score 52 on you like you're some kind of FCS school and the fact that you also let them, of course, win four years in a row. The other problem here is it in the West Virginia game? Also four years in a row. Which is shocking. Well, no, no, it's not. It's different because uh, 2017, we beat West Virginia. We didn't beat Oklahoma that year. We lost them twice. No, but we, we beat West Virginia. This is the fourth straight year in a row that we've lost to West Virginia. We've lost. Oh, I thought you were saying four straight we've lost to Oklahoma. I was like, we've lost Oklahoma more than four years in a row because we didn't beat oh, them in 2017. Oh, it's a lot longer than that. For yeah, like, it's, it's, it's painfully no. long. But Four straight. But, but the reason why this game was so painful is it opened with a 100-yard kickoff return. You cannot open a Woo, game better. The Frogs. You can't open a game better. You had the perfect start, great special teams, and it said, okay, Darius Davis, you can get your 100-yard touchdown. And, yes, that is great. No complaints about that at all. Good job, honestly. But, but 
Then you give up field goal and a touchdown, 10-7. Again, that's not awful, but okay. But then in the second quarter, you match 10-10. to Again, you're down by three at halftime. That isn't a huge deal. The problem is we get shut out at home against West Virginia to then lose pretty easily in this game. Now, this is the same West Virginia team that was on a three-game losing streak, including losing to Texas Tech who is awful. And now I get one of those losses was to Baylor, but they lost by a trillion. And they lost to Oklahoma barely, but that's Oklahoma. Hey, so, no, that was Matt Wells' Texas Tech. That's not Sonny Combe's Texas and, Tech. And you also beat Virginia Tech, who just lost to Syracuse this week. And you only lost to Virginia – or beat Virginia Tech because they failed on a fourth and goal at basically the one-yard line. So you were a one play – basically a yard away from losing that game too and only having one win on the season going into this game, which is a 66 to nothing win against – Long Island University. <laughs> so it, it, this game was just unbelievable. And you have, uh, I'm actually looking ahead at this game um, just to show you that the stats here on defense, because they play, uh, they as in Virginia, West Virginia plays Iowa State at home coming up this weekend. And West Virginia is a team that gives up about 357 yards per game and 393 total yards what they gain, which you would say that's pretty bad, which you'd be right. That is pretty bad. But you know what's worse than giving, giving up, up that many yards a game? Seven yards of offense, including 220 on the ground and three touchdowns. Ah! I mean, you want to pull my hair out. Ah! It is mind blowing how bad this team has been. Gary this Patterson has a freaking statue <laughs> in front of the stadium. You walk past it on your way into the ball game. We built the statue for a man that has won zero national titles, has played for zero national titles, has had zero playoff appearances, and only real had only shot that we've ever had really was 2014, where we could have gone if we just wouldn't choke to Baylor, and then 2010, where we only really didn't get in, and I'll give that to us because we weren't really a power program yet. But even then, once you get past that hurdle, make it to the Big 12 in 2013, but hey... He has a winning record against Texas, so he has that still. Even though we lost this year, we still have for the now. winning record against Texas yeah, for, for now. now. Which <laughs> look, which as uh, could age fan, horribly. <laughs> as a, as a Tennessee fan, I know everyone stays at the tailgates, and I'm not saying at TCU that is um, because you know tailgating is more fun than watching Gary Patterson shit his pants on the sideline. But as a Tennessee fan, I'm not condoning it, but I'm saying if there's any time to start throwing trash on the field, (laughs) (laughs) now would not be a bad time. (laughs) Now would not be a bad time. No, I'm not condoning it. I'm not Here's the part that depresses me, though, is that to me, I feel bad because we are brutally wasting careers like Quentin Johnson, who I have to I have to highlight him because we talked about him against Oklahoma was stellar. I mean, unbelievable. unbelievable. Unbe- no, I mean, shockingly good against Oklahoma. And I'm saying shockingly as knowing he's an elite player like even that seven receptions, 185 yards and three touchdowns, even in this game where he didn't get a score. He still had five receptions for 113 yards. It's twenty two point six. Per reception, like he was stellar this game. Zach Evans did kind of take a little bit of a step back uh, to uh, have your Gary Patterson pun. Um, it was 18 carries for 62 yards, 
was not too much. But then Max hey, Duggan. do you for that. Give it up for Max Duggan. 16 for 26, 244 yards of touchdown and two interceptions against West Virginia. So congratulations. Um, you trust me. Check down Charlie. I, I don't want to hate on Max Duggan. I know Kittle. he's a college kid, but it's, it's like, come on, man. And then, oh, and you want to talk about rushing defense because we talked about that? How about good old defense. good old Letty Brown? Letty Brown, the running back out of West Virginia, who averages four point five yards per carry after this game. After this game, averages four point five yards per carry. But how did he do in this game? Well, he had twenty four carries for one hundred thirteen yards and three touchdowns. What run rushing defense, defense, Jack? Remember when what Mathis was supposed to be like the guy on the team and all these great guys supposed to be like this huge D-line that's going to shut everyone down? Remember when that was was supposed to be a thing? It's not a thing. It's not a thing. And it's 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 shameful. Um it's just, it makes me disgusted. <laughs> if if Honestly. TCU if TCU has the same kind of security um around Gary Patterson's statue as they do um the end zone it's gonna be a it, it would be really really easy for someone to just you know go up and throw some trash on the statue just like one <laughs> one singular solo cup maybe set it in gary's hand maybe gary just needs a drink and 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 to, well, to lord knows we all do <laughs> to continue your pun here um, I think Gary needs to take a step back. I've been calling for Gary's job for about three weeks now, and it's not going to get any prettier. I'm going to continue calling for Gary's job. Um, and I want to throw this out there. I thought TCU was going to be halfway decent this season, and this team <laughs> might not make a bowl game. Because we I still be... got to play Baylor, oh, Oklahoma oh. State, and Iowa State, along with Kansas State. This team might not make a bowl game and probably won't. You know what TCU's odds to win after the kickoff return touchdown? Which, mind you, was four seconds into the game. Or sorry, for 14. 14 seconds into the game. I mean, Our odds were 82%. 82% to win the game. Uh, we it was West Virginia had a 90% chance to win with 14 minutes to go. It was over, already over at that point. I mean, <clears throat> it was simply – and that was before their touchdown, too. It was still 23-17. I mean, it, it was – And Gary's it's lost. Unbelievable. unbelievable. I don't know what's got to happen. Like, do you take away Gary's helicopter privileges? Um, do you – what's got to happen? Because he's definitely lost the title of defensive genius. I think that is very far gone at this point, and he should lose his job. This is it's, not it's, this is not the TCU football that we've become accustomed to under Gary Patterson. And if this was just one year, which two years ago we said, oh, it's just one year. You know, we'll get Max Duggan in next year. We'll get all it's these. It's been just one year, year for four it's years. It's been just one year for four years. This is it's starting to become I mean, unacceptable. 2017, I gave to him and counted and said that was a good season. You had 10 plus wins. You won a bowl game, you made the Big 12 championship. You lost to Baker. And it was like, okay, I mean, it was Baker's OU, it was a really good OU team, as we saw. I mean, they were only a couple plays away from the national championship. So it's, I mean, I have zero shame in 2017. Good, very good season. And then you have 2018, 
where we uh, actually I'm gonna after we go through this I'm then gonna uh, we'll move on but I, I just wanted to bring this one point up but 2018 we then were seven and six so a big step back but we made a bowl game and we won the bowl game so again I was like that's not that good of a season but you made a bowl game you won a bowl game it was the insane cow game which was still one of the worst bowl games of all time but you still won the bowl game. Not a good year, but, you know, that's not horrendous. And that was the year I was like, that's okay. Patterson always bounces back. That's what he always does. Formally, that is. That's an objective truth. Every time we lose before these last few years, he bounced back. So 2019, I was like, we're chilling. We then went 5-7, and 3-6 and six in the Big 12, which includes a loss to West Virginia at home. And if you win that game, you go to a bowl game. And mind you, West Virginia was playing for nothing. They were 4-7 and seven going into that game. They had nothing to play for. And we had a bowl game to play for, and we still lost. And that's when I was like, okay, <laughs> wait a minute. You finished third to last in the Big 12, which counting Kansas means second to last, which counting Texas Tech means last. You finished last in the Big 12. So if you count the only real teams in the Big 12, you finish last. Because I count West Virginia, Iowa State, K-State. Those teams count, but – then 2020 happens, and it's the weird, stupid COVID season, and you go 6-4, and four, which in the Big 12 is pretty middling, considering a lot of teams did pretty well in the Big 12, which, again, I know you're obviously not playing a full season, but 6-4 and four is like, okay, something. But still kind of just average. And then you get to 2021, and you have all these good players and all these good teams, and it's saying maybe you have a chance, maybe you have a shot. And right now we're sitting here four games into the conference play, seven games overall. And we are one game ahead of Kansas. And we haven't played them yet. We're one game ahead. And if uh, it just, it uh, it hurts my head. And this is also the year that you left Sonny Cumbie. You got rid of Sonny Cumbie. You got rid of the big problem. And it, yeah, it solves nothing. With a combination of Doug Meacham and Jerry Kill. Two absolute offensive masterminds. Hey, now, Doug Meacham was the mastermind offensive coordinator of the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL. So no slander here for the St. Louis legend. Also the (laughs) offensive mastermind behind 2014 TCU. And I don't know if you've watched football in the last seven years, but if you have, uh, the game has changed quite a bit. Uh, He actually was a finalist for the Royals Award that year, to be fair. I mean... (laughs) I mean, yeah, in 2014, that, that, yeah, it's pretty good, I guess. I mean, Chip Kelly was really good in, like, 2011, 2010. Oh, this is an absolute mess. But let me move on to my uh, first loser, which is more of an indirect winner than anything. But Wiley Coyote is my first loser because the Roadrunners of UTSA are rolling right now. Sitting at 8-0, they are the favorite, the obvious favorite to uh, win the Conference USA, which will soon be disbanded once all this conference realignment. (laughs) um, Finally. (laughs) Which will soon be disbanded after all this conference realignment happens. Um, but the Roadrunners are doing a great job on defense, um, making things tough on quarterbacks, holding, get this, holding teams to 
two and a half yards a carry. Only 79 yards on an average of 32 attempts per game. Um, This Roadrunners team is legit, and I don't think they'll find themselves in the New Year's Six, uh, even if they are undefeated, but could find themselves in a very, very interesting bowl matchup with a possible Power 5 school, hopefully, um, and really get a chance to prove themselves. And by God, they might do it. Uh, this Roadrunner team is electric, and I think we all need to start paying attention to UTSA. What is your over/under on odds to um, or odds for the uh, UTSA Roadrunners to claim a national championship if they go undefeated? To claim a national championship, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if they go undefeated and win one. the bowl game, they have to win the bowl game too, fully undefeated. Okay, well, I don't think they're going to end up number one in any of the polls. <laughs> I'm mostly messing around, but yes. This is not a UCF situation. This team... Where they did. They did end up number one in a poll, so I will, give, like Wake Forest, I will forever give UCF credit. Wake Forest could win a national championship, and they still wouldn't be number one in all the polls. The funniest thing is that Wake actually has very legit playoff odds still, which I know, like... They're undefeated, obviously they do, but like it's still very funny to think about. Like Wake and Pittsburgh both have very legit playoff odds. Well, yeah, <laughs> Oklahoma State had very legit playoff odds last week. Yeah, but they also went into the Ames buzzsaw, which I am going to be honest, neither Pitt or Wake has a game nearly that hard. I mean, just being honest. <laughs> I would say yeah. that game is harder than the rest of their schedule, and that's not really disrespecting Iowa State, really, more just the ACC, but it's... um. Because I do genuinely been, think it's a bust. We've been on over games, this. But. We've been over this. The American Conference is act, might actually be better than the ACC this year. Um, and the American and Conference is not as good this year because Houston disappointed. I really thought they were going to be better than they were, but either way, Cincinnati is going to get in over an undefeated ACC team. I'm which very, only can be Wake, and they will be in over Wake. Yeah, I, I'm very confident of that. Jack, take us to your second loser here. Well, my second loser is a little bit of a two-parter, though. It won't be that long. But uh, for this one, it's going to be both the Wolfpack. You mean you actually are on Coyotes, so we're sticking around with some, uh, I guess, desert beasts. We're, we're going to stick uh, with the Wolves here because both of these teams were teams that I think are pretty similar in terms of both of them being pretty solid but not really being great despite really good preseason hype up with good players that are still good but not great. And that's Nevada and NC State, two teams that I put a lot of faith in and ended up sort of selling for me pretty hard, and both of them losing this week because NC State was a team that is now already out of the rankings, but they lost to Miami. How do you lose to Miami? And we had this game actually on our picks the week, and both of us pretty confidently pick NC State, which I'm not going back on that. I still am confident about that because it's still Miami, and I don't trust Miami. And if this game could go back in time and you pick the game again, I still would have picked NC State because it's still Miami. And, yes, this game was pretty big for them to come back and win, but it it just was sort of depressing. And um, the craziest thing is in this game, there actually was a very legit chance for NC State to come back and win this um, because the game got really close to the end of it. And after uh, NC State had a field goal, which had to be a one-point game with about four minutes to go. They actually played fantastic defense. Miami was first and 10 at their own 11 and got pushed back to their own six-yard line because the the kickoff was returned and fumbled. 
So Miami already screwed up their last drive by fumbling it back to their own 11-yard line. It was fourth and 15 at their own six. They then kick the ball off. Obviously, it doesn't go very far. And NC State starts at their own 44. You got to go 15 yards, and you beat Miami. And what do they do? What do they do? Incomplete pass, incomplete pass, two-yard pass, six-yard pass, turnover on downs, Miami wins. You got to go 15 yards against the Miami Hurricanes, and you can't even do that. So they're a big loser for that, not only the, but the fact they lost, but also the way they lost was really bad because this is a Miami team that you can't lose to, especially like that. You need to win that kind of game. The other one, Nevada is a team that has been uh, pretty disappointing this year. I was really high on Carson Strong. I still think that he's very, very good, but it just still hasn't been that kind of year for him. Uh, with the Mountain West, we really no one saw uh, the super rise up of a team like San Diego State. I mean, they're always kind of in the mix, but uh, they've obviously been pretty good this year. Nevada actually plays a UNLV this week and should win by a thousand. But they lost this week to Fresno State, who is now six and two. Uh, Hayner was pretty solid, but strong. Again, he had 476 yards and four touchdowns. I, I can't really blame him. Carson Strong played pretty dang good, which he usually does. I mean, again, he's a fantastic quarterback. Um, he actually has 2,466 yards, fifth in the country, 20 touchdowns and four picks. Um, but his QBR isn't as solid um, as some other quarterbacks. But still, very, very good prospect. Love this guy. I think he'd go later round in the NFL. But this team still can't win those games that they need to win. And Fresno State starting to, or sorry, Nevada starting to dig their hole pretty deep in that Mountain West race. That is pretty much always usually interesting. And this year is certainly no exception. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me take you uh, to my second and, uh, well, I guess final loser because we already talked about James Franklin. But mm -hmm. my final loser is, and I mean no disrespect to the troops. This is purely a joke. The U.S. military um, did not show up on the football field this past week. Um, let's start with San Diego State and Air Force. San Diego State now sitting at 7-0 after a win over Air Force. And without looking at the box score, Jack, who had more passing attempts, San Diego State or Air Force? Who? Maybe it'll be a little weird and be Air Force. You are correct. Air Force had 15 passing attempts in this game. Uh, now, they only completed five of those. <laughs> but San Diego State was only 11 for 13 through the air. Uh, they got the job done on the ground and with their rushing defense, holding Air Force to four yards a carry, um, Air Force previously on the season was averaging uh, five yards a carry. So, I mean, not too much of a drop-off there. But San Diego State was able to hop out on these boys early, get a 13 to nothing lead at halftime, and then Air Force playing from behind is never somewhere that any of the service academies um, want to be. The San Diego State defense – um, is playing really lights out this year. They're only averaging giving up 79 yards a game on the ground. And consider they were playing Air Force. Um, I think 192 yards is a perfectly acceptable total um, um, for San Diego State. This could be a really interesting team uh, come bowl season. Uh, really excited to see if they can uh, finish the season undefeated and earn that spot against a really good 
or a middling power five team. Um, and, and we'll really see uh, where they sort of stack up at the end of the year. Um, we already mentioned Army, obviously. Uh, Army losing to Wake Forest 72-56. Uh, and, I mean, I'll mention it again. Losing to Ar- losing to Wake Forest 70 to 56 for any school should never happen. You should never give up 70 um, really to anyone. No, but to, any, give literally to, anyone. Forest, to give it up to Wake Forest is <sighs> just kind of kind of pathetic. Um, and, and obviously, <laughs> you know, respect to the troops, but uh, <laughs> respect to the troops, but <laughs> respect to the troops, but the troops did not show up uh, to play football against Wake Forest, at least on the defensive side of things. I mean, 56 points is nothing to you shouldn't here, look giving up 70 is one thing. You shouldn't score 56 points and lose a football game. No, no. Absolutely not. That that's just that's football principle. And to round out the trifecta of uh I want to say terrible performances, but honestly, for as bad as Navy has been this year, this wasn't a terrible performance. We have the Navy midshipmen, uh the men of the sea. Uh we've already talked about the land and the air. Um, and now we will talk about the sea because Cincinnati skirted away with this game, almost let Navy come back on them, gave up 10 points in the fourth quarter to make it 27 to 20 um, after they were up 27 to 10 uh, at the end of the third. So comfortable for three quarters for Cincinnati. And then at the end of the third or at the end of the game, uh, looked a lot closer than I think it was. But for Cincinnati, this was a terrible offensive performance. They were outgained by maybe 308 yeah. to 271 total. Uh, Desmond Ritter, 18 for 30, 176 yards, two touchdowns, only got 95 yards on the ground. Look, I know you did what every uh, – Every playoff team does. Uh, you earned your spot in the playoff by absolutely kicking the shit out of uh, Notre Dame as is playoff tradition. But to as put up this poor of a performance on offense against Navy, what's going to happen when you play the Georgia Bulldogs, brother? It ain't going to be good. I don't. I don't know what to say. Um, I, I didn't watch the game enough to have like real comments and concerns about it. It could be just one of those weird college football games, but if Cincinnati can go down to the wire, not really the wire, but Navy had a chance to win this ball game. Um, if Cincinnati can go down to the wire against Navy and play a pretty close game, a one and six Navy, I might add, um, not, too optimistic about what's going to happen down the road in the AAC. I know they don't have that tough of a schedule, but you got to play SMU. And in that game, you got to be able to put up some points. Yeah. No, it's true. It's, it's, they're just, they need to get their act together. And I think they can, but it's just these kind of games are tough. 
But we can go ahead and look at my final loser before we move on to uh, some more interesting little tidbits of games. And then we get, of course, to our Agony Olympics, which I'm quite excited for this week because, uh, boy, we got some options. But my final loser up here, which is I'll make this quick, the Pac-12 South. Again, we keep having them on here as losers. And you know what? I'm not going to stop because they have a miserable week. Five of the six teams played and five of the six teams lost. The only one who didn't was Arizona State, which is the best team in the Pac-12 South right now, so they got spared of this losing week. But Arizona State we're not gonna, lost like Utah last week, by the way. So, yeah, everyone's on a loss right now, even though the Arizona State uh, Sun Devils did avoid a loss this week, technically. But uh, we start off with Arizona, who, dear God, disband the program. This team is uh, – av- you can't be worse – uh, 0-7, I think it's 19 losses in a row now. I mean, something just ridiculous. Um, uh, is it 19? I think it may be. But uh, they've lost every game this season, obviously, uh, most of them by multiple scores. And this one wasn't much better. They lost to Washington, who we know is not very good. Uh, only by a score, though. Washington had to score 14 straight in the fourth quarter to come back from down 16-7 to against Arizona. <laughs> so it just goes to show you how not good Washington is. Um, Oregon then beating UCLA. We already talked about this game, which was a competitive game. Certainly not really a shameful loss for UCLA, but you still lost. Uh, then USC losing Notre Dame by a lot. I was pretty confident in Notre Dame in this game. I knew USC was really not good at all. Uh, so I was like, yep, I want USC to win, but I just don't think they will. Ended up being the case in a pretty, um, in a pretty clean game. Uh, then California over Colorado was again, pretty predictable. Colorado has been very bad this year. They're two and five now, but also California sucks too. They were one and five coming into this game and I get it's at Cal, but I mean, they were one and five and you still lose this game. So Colorado with an embarrassingly bad loss. And then finally we have Utah dropping to four and three, losing to Oregon state who Oregon state has been pretty good this year, but you let the Beavers put 42 on you. Can't let that happen. So pretty poor performance from them. But yeah, Pac-12 South was pretty, pretty bad this week, which no one really ever accused them of being very good. But this has been a pretty down year for them, if that says anything. Yeah, no, the Pac-12 South uh, has been bad for years. Uh, but without USC, it's real and UCLA um, and Utah, who let's not forget was in the playoff conversation two years ago. And not to mention Arizona State, who is perennially um, one of those teams that's in the bottom half of the top 25 that just ends up dropping out of the top 25 altogether after a bad loss every single year uh, without fail. Um, No, pretty bad day uh, for the Pac-12 South. Let's move on to the Agony Olympics. Clemson lost again. And this time it was to the Pittsburgh Panthers. Uh, Clemson's bad. Like they're not, it's not just like a down. I know. For I know. Like Clemson is bad. I told you this. This is why I picked Pittsburgh in this game confidently. I had full faith in them winning this game because first of all, Pickett is a very good quarterback. One of the best in the ACC and probably will be up for a lot of awards this year simply because his team is very good. I know Armstrong has more yards, but that's because all Virginia does is pass, plus the fact Virginia's not that good. But this Pittsburgh team is really, really good, and I know they're a good ways behind Wake Forest still, but they jumped six spots for this win. And honestly, I think that's a little bit of a stretch 
And I think that, uh, well, sorry, let me retrace that. I think their, their ranking is deserved. I just think this, the jump was a stretch because they should have already been higher to begin with. So Pittsburgh ended up playing great in this game. And here's the craziest thing. All they have left to play is Miami, who's bad, Duke, who's bad, UNC, who's been extremely underwhelming, UVA, who's okay, and then Syracuse, who's okay, but it's on the road, but still, it's Syracuse. So that's a pretty easy five games, especially for Pitt, who is actually a pretty good team. So if you're Pittsburgh, you could win out. Honestly, you could you could have a pretty good odds of winning out. I don't want to jinx them, but it, it really is. They have a lot of good stuff going for them. And I look at this Pitt team, and I say, this Pitt team can really win some big games. And I was really confident about them this week. I'll be very confident about them next week against Miami. But yeah, Clemson ab- sucks. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I, I'm with everything you said just now. Uh, just to highlight the last one, uh, Georgia Tech um lost to UVA 48 to 40 any any comments from you jack any tech is not very good at football um i think that we're down i i think that we're all very aware uh, painfully aware that tech is not that good we also know that virginia is not awful i mean virginia is six and two we're not trying to act like virginia sucks or anything they're still a pretty competent football team. Um, and again, Georgia Tech is clearly not the worst team in the ACC. They're just not that good. Um, also, I did want to have one other extra point of agony Olympics. Exit Sandman. Get out. Because uh, Virginia Tech choked to Syracuse in a pretty bad way. Uh, Garrett Schrader, who is not really known for passing the ball, had a 45-yard bomb, which took the lead with 30 seconds or like less than 30 seconds to go. Um one of my professors here at Syracuse, who actually is also the radio play-by-play caller for the Syracuse team, uh, had a pretty awesome call of this game, which I'm not just saying um, in case he sees this, but he actually was a great call. Um, and he, uh, he said it was off to Never Never Land, a great touchdown there for Damian Alford, the kind of breakout star wide receiver for Syracuse. has really been showing up big for us. But, uh, yeah, Garrett Schroeder threw for five touchdowns in this – or threw for two touchdowns, ran for three. I mean – Garrett Schrader is turning into a young, which he kind of looks like him too, but a young Ryan Fitzpatrick where he can just have these crazy bombs out of nowhere that are really out of nowhere, not really have a great accuracy at all, but when he slings it, boy, he slings it. So love that out of cues. Uh, If you're Virginia Tech, you should be feeling pretty bad right now because you let Syracuse score 41 on you, which is pretty bad considering we haven't put up 40 over literally anyone except for Albany this season, which tells you something, but like Ohio, awful Ohio, Ohio Bobcats. We only put up 29 on them. So <laughs> remember that. So it's it's pretty bad here. So, um, yeah, pretty big win for Syracuse. Really pathetic there for Virginia Tech. So I uh, just wanted to, to point that that fun fact out for the Orange. And, uh, yeah, Virginia Tech, you're definitely earning a medal on the Agony Olympics this week. Yeah, no, I I, I fully agree. I did. Virginia Tech belongs there for that performance. Uh, let's move on to our undefeateds. At 8-0, we've got OU and UTSA. And then at 7-0, we've got Georgia, Cincinnati, Michigan, Michigan State, Wake Forest, SMU, and San Diego State. What a strange a list. Later <laughs> in the season between undefeated Cincinnati and SMU. And then we've got odds for the college football playoff. Just a quick rundown. Georgia sitting at 88. Alabama sitting at 69%. Very nice. Uh, four, nice. Number four, OU sitting at 52%. Cincinnati 
still only has a 46% chance to make the playoff. <laughs> Michigan at 45%, which that doesn't make any sense. Ohio State at 44%. Ohio State should be nope. 100% at this point. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Ohio State could lose out, and I would still put them at 80%. Ohio <laughs> they State could lose, could lose out. out, and they'd be like, they were all quality losses. They had 12 quality losses. <laughs> Sneak into the, the four seed. <laughs> Sneak them in. See what they can do against the best Georgia team yeah. since 1980. And then, uh, and then they would win, and then they, then they would beat Georgia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what happened. They would and, win. And, they would end up in the national championship and it would be Alabama, Ohio state and Alabama will win. And then we all just are like, why does life means nothing? Why do we do this? Why we if it's about- Alabama, Ohio state in the national title again, and Alabama wins. We talked about I, I just- this all year. And if Ohio state beat, uh, I mean, if Alabama beats Ohio state in the national championship, I might just give up college football. Until the 12-team playoff gets in, I give I, it up. I get it. At least that's it. something. I mean, I, at least it's something. I will, be, I will be an NFL apologist probably until the day I die. Uh, but but I get with college football, it's different. It's not about the end results. It's about the process. It's about how you got there. It's about the friends that we made along the way. Uh, the enemies. You, UTSA um, and Wake Forest, who will probably be irrelevant by the end of the year. Let's Let's be real there um decent chance of that and then rounding out the group i should mention is uh the pittsburgh panthers sitting with a 23 percent chance uh, i'm telling you if they win if they win out they will be a one million percent a contender for that i think they could but they they easily easily could it's a terrible schedule easily have the worst loss of any of these and that's very very true very very true they they need They need things to really go their ways, and I think it can. But it, it's a big can. It's a big if. But I think that they are. I think Pittsburgh is in a position where they definitely can. But I don't know. I don't know if they can way. have that many things go their way. I think is my point here. Um, in the AP top twenty-five, we've got an interesting shakeup. Uh, Alabama is up to number three um after we were all cheering about oh bama's not gonna make the playoffs this year nope they're up to number three in the ap well oh you deserve to move down i mean you almost blew it to kansas wait wait we didn't mention that we didn't mention that (laughs) mention this i cannot believe (laughs) yeah yeah we need we need to make a point about this (laughs) i i was like like wait a wait a freaking minute wait one minute right here oklahoma Oklahoma almost lost to Kansas. They almost, almost lost to Kansas. This get this doesn't deserve any analysis. There's uh, no there's nothing I can say uh, that's gonna make this make sense. But Kansas had a lead on Oklahoma at one point in this game, and at a deep point in the game, not like like a pretty good amount. And at one the point game. in the game, once Kansas realized that they were like actually in this game, which is a shot, it would be a shock against like a bad FCS team if they were still in the game, let alone the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, they eventually said, Hey, guy, they sent out a PSA on the radio that said, You don't need a ticket to come to this game anymore. Remember, they, they lost to Duke by, by eight, 19 points. They lost to Duke by 19. <laughs> they opened the gates. 
of their football stadium, like to anyone, <laughs> like it was an exhibition. Like it's <laughs> they, the did, they did that. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't no, know. No, that. no, that is a real thing. They opened the gates of their stadium, letting anyone who wanted to come in come in for free, <laughs> like it was the damn spring. Oh game. my god! Oh my god! Kansas opened gate to anyone in town. <laughs> to see yeah. That the gates. Oh, this is an official tweet from the Kansas Jayhawks. The gates are open on the east and west sides of David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. No ticket required. <laughs> Show up, be loud, rock chalk. You're talking about it's free like, football. We should have thrown like a game that like that. in the free football category because that was literally free football. Wow, I did mess up on that. That should have been okay. We're gonna we're gonna pretend that's in there. We're gonna pretend yeah, that shoehorned. I know, this, re- I know wow. it's alive. I we know it's a live broadcast, but we can miss. swing we can, uh, and a miss on that. Wow! Um, any I should have ri- written that in on my on my article. I did the article for free football on um on uh, GTD Sports, so I I completely missed that too. I should have put that in, but yeah, that might be the highlight of the whole podcast right there. Is free football from Kansas University that literally did that, which is kind of amazing. Imagine um, if they did that for a basketball game. You'd have people crawling oh over God. the walls of Fog Allen to get in that arena. Oh, my God. I mean, it's actually ridiculous. It said, yeah, they said if they, of course, if they won that game, it would have been one of the biggest upsets of any team ever in the history of football. But, you oh, my Kansas God, like, that is amazing. Texas at home and stormed the field, and it was like 50 people. It looked like you took a high school prom after party and then just like moved it to midfield uh, in Lawrence. I love that that happened in 2016. Like it wasn't even that long ago. And there's, there's, I'm looking back through the game again, and there's absolutely nobody there. And you know the best part? Texas scored in the first 10 seconds of the game, and they lost. <laughs> yeah. It was 7 nothing 10 seconds in, and then they lost. And that's your Texas is still not back moment of the episode. It's in it's in the title, even though Texas didn't play this week. Uh, Texas oh, we is just still to remind not back. <laughs> yeah, it, it's they're just always not back. Um, Texas. Well, quick quick reminder, just to remind you, just to make it more painful for Texas fans. But um, it was twenty one to ten. Texas led with seven fifty two to go in the game. And Kansas hey, won. Hey, 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 hey. I'm going to get out ahead of this in case any Texas fans want to give us some shit after this podcast. Um, I'm going to get out ahead of this and say TCU has actually lost to Kansas more recently than Texas. Um, if you but remember. What, you know what the key difference is? Texas, Texas lost still has home, right? Texas, no, 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 no it was in Kansas. No, the difference is is that Texas has something that we call standards. We have lost those standards. So at least with expectations, if you're Texas, it's far more embarrassing because you should have easily had that. Like it, it shouldn't even be. Oh, and plus, let's not forget about this, that Kansas forced overtime. They forced overtime. Texas then on like the, on the second play, it was second and 10, threw an interception. And then Kansas didn't even need to score anything. They literally just kick a field goal immediately and win the game. Was that so, Gerard so even Hurt? Was that like the Gerard Hurt Tyrone ah. Swoops era? I'm forgetting what era. I think it, I think it might have been. It was 2016, so I think maybe 2016. That was also the week where Chattanooga held a three nothing lead over Alabama. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. Never Fun forget. Times. 
never forget. Um, let's move on and quickly do our picks. Oh, wait. I do Charlie Strong moment. <laughs> Charlie Coastal, Strong moment. <laughs> Coastal Carolina uh, lost last week, so they're down to number 24 in the rankings. They moved down 10 spots, and honestly, they might ought to be out of these rankings after losing to App State. Um, their over-under in that game was – 30 points and they put up like 21 in the first half and then ended the game with like 26 points, something like that. Um, so <laughs> a, a terrible showing from, from the Chanticleers, but playing in Boone, North Carolina uh, is really no joke. That's a, it's a, it's a really hard place. To no, play. Uh, it's a, it, it, it really do though. Teams it is there a, a lot. hostile environment um, to say the least out of the rankings this week. We're North Carolina. Carolina State and Purdue. Uh, hello, Purdue by Purdue. <laughs> um, that was quick. And then receiving votes would be Arkansas, Louisiana Lafayette, uh, NC Houston, and Virginia. But let's move on to let's, our picks. One, one point. One point. I think we all can agree that Purdue getting in the rankings was a million percent just to make fun of Iowa. That was not a serious ranking. <laughs> Is Iowa still ranked? They should be. No, yeah, they yeah, are. Yeah. I just been I, ranking them oh, was just to say like, 10. oh, lose to Purdue and you're still in the top ten. Yeah, I, I'm telling you that was a definitely that was a pity ranking. That was a hundred percent a pity ranking just to throw Purdue in to say, hey, look at this team, you lost, and then they get out the next week. That was 100%. oh, one hundred percent. But let's move on. Let's do our picks. First up, we've got what I really think is the game of the week. I'm sure you would agree with me. Starting off Easily. hot here, we got Michigan. Going to Lansing to face Michigan State. Oh, and the punt is blocked. It's blocked. I've got Michigan State winning this game because I think Michigan State actually has the better running attack, um, and neither of these teams are going to be able to throw worth worth their salt. So this is going to be a really, really, really extra Big Tenny game. Um, big it, noon, it might, big noon for Big Ten too. It, it might even be more Big Ten than Iowa Penn State uh, because of the complete <laughs> lack of passing game that either of these. So teams you just want to. So you just want to absolutely annihilate the under. <laughs> you should absolutely <laughs> annihilate the under. Bazooka fire! I don't fire even know what it it's fifty and a half. It's fifty and a half. <laughs> It's 50 and a half. Oh my I am placing a bet on that right now, Jack. As we speak. I'll put I'll put four hundred dollars that I don't own. I'll I'll take a loan out of four hundred dollars. As we speak, I am literally putting a bet on this under. There's absolutely that... no chance they hit this over. It's impossible. And, and I'm gonna clip this so we can come back to it. Um <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Of course, if we're if we're wrong, how funny that, it'll be. Yeah, and if we're right, it looks inevitably fun. loses because I just <laughs> put money on it, um, and everything I put money on actually turns to shit. Uh, but Jack, I think Michigan State's going to win this game. I think they have a better running attack. Um, I, I honestly just think they're the better coach team. I think Mel Tucker is a better head coach than Jim Harbaugh. Um, at this point, we know what we're getting with Jim Harbaugh, and we know Michigan is not going to be undefeated by the time they get to Ohio State. So the question is, is it going to be Penn State or is it going to be Michigan State? And I think Michigan State gets them first. 
here's the thing to understand about this game. First of all, there's the three points I gotta make. First of all, there is no bad pick in this game. I will confidently say that. I do not think there is a bad pick between these two teams. It's very obvious that both these teams have been very solid this season. Both have overperformed, but have been confident and solid in doing that. Other point I have here, and that is about rushing yards allowed. These two teams have been incredibly even when it comes to rushing yards allowed, which makes sense because both these two teams have incredibly good rushing offenses. They both have really good rushing defenses. The difference is Michigan State's pass defense is comically better than Michigan State's, like uh, leagues better, over 100 yards better per game. Well, good. Michigan can't throw. Well, but that's the thing is, is the pass defense of Michigan is leagues better. And what can Michigan do that Michigan State can't do? Throw. Because Thorne has not been the main guy on this team, obviously. That's been Kenneth Walker. But he can when he needs to. hundred, So 1,700 yards, 15 touchdowns, and four picks. He's been pretty good. He's gotten his stats on. And McNamara has basically done nothing on the passing end, but he hasn't really needed to because Corum and Haskins have been able to get the job done on the ground. That's the reason why I'm going to be riding with Michigan in this game. They're favored at four. They're on the road, but still favored. The higher-ranked team, Vegas is looking nice at them. They've looked really good in their last in the last game. I know Nebraska wasn't really a good game, but they bounced back and were pretty much perfect against North Northwestern. Michigan was really, really shaky against Indiana, which is a pretty I, – I was expecting them to roll through that game and come into this game confident. That's not a very good game to come off of. Now, they have had two games on the road in a row, so coming back home is going to be big, especially for a game of this magnitude. But their defense does tend to allow a few more points than it should. Western Kentucky ended up putting up 31 on them. I know they played well last week, but it's also Rutgers and Indiana. I wasn't expecting them to do literally anything, especially with Michael Penix being an absolute disaster this year. So that's my only thing is these offenses, when you compare the offenses, are really, really close. They have pretty much the same amount of total yards. Now, again, rushing. Michigan State has the favor by a good chunk, but also obviously because their passing yards don't really do that much. That's my big difference here. I think that difference in pass defense is what's going to win this game for Michigan because I think when Michigan State needs to pass, they haven't faced a pass defense remotely as good as Michigan has. And I think when that moment needs to come, I don't know if they're going to get it done. Last caveat in this game before I finish my take, I am pulling for Michigan State. (laughs) I do want Michigan State to win on a personal note. I would much rather have them win than Michigan. I just think Michigan is going to be the better team and win this game on the road. All right, that's a uh, solid take from you there, Jack. Let's move on to some quicker matchups here. Uh, UT as in Texas versus Baylor. And I just changed my pick in this game because I think Baylor's defense is really good, but I think Texas's offense is almost matchup proof if they really show up to play and if they decide we're going to give the ball to Bijan Robinson a million times and see what he can do with it. I'm sure Baylor has the offense to put up points with Texas considering I th- I really do think their defense is borderline matchup proof. The thing is with Baylor is they average more yards rushing and more yards passing than Texas. They also, their defense is much, much better in the passing game and much, much better in the rushing game. Now, we can talk a lot about who these teams have played this season because I get that's also a key difference in here. But also, Baylor looked pretty good at this BYU. I know they lost to Oklahoma State a few weeks ago, but that's also coming off of a big Iowa State win, a big BYU win. They've had some pretty solid games in here. I get Baylor down the stretch, still has to play Oklahoma. They still have to play, obviously, Texas this week. So 
They got some good teams left to go. And I actually flipped my pick too. I originally had Texas in this game, but I'm again, this is a little bit of a principal pick simply because I picked Texas twice now and they've failed me both times. So I, I just, I can't go through that again. So part of me is just being anti-Texas here, but a lot of metrics favor, favor Baylor here. They're better in yards passing. They're better in yards rushing. They're better in defense yards allowed in both of those. And I think all four of those stats going for Baylor is pretty hard to find in matchups like these. And so, and overall, obviously both overall yards. In fact, Baylor allows a hundred yards less per game than Texas, a hundred yards less per game. And I think that defensive gap is really, really big. And you want to talk about offensive gap. Baylor still has more yards per game than Texas. And I get points per game is the one thing here that Texas does have in favor of, but they also allow over 11 points more per game. When you allow 11 points more and you're going to say to this Baylor offense, you can go off. Baylor had 38 last week against BYU and BYU has a better defense than Texas. So for me, it's like if they put up 38 on BYU again, this is also in Waco too, which I don't think is much of an advantage as it is just not in Austin. I think that's going to really serve the Bears well. Again, this is a game that as a TCU fan, you just hope doesn't exist. I don't want to watch this game. (laughs) This game does not bring me joy. But I do think that Baylor is going to be the better team here, and I think they're going to pull out a win. All right. Well, let's move on to Miami versus Pitt. Now, Miami looked a little frisky versus Uh, North Carolina (laughs) State. I'm still going to go with Pitt in this game, but – I mean, watch out for the Canes. They can make any game a little frisky. They can, but the problem is, is that what are they going to do against Pickett? And the answer is nothing. They're not going to do anything against Pickett because if you asked when's the last, last time a pretty good quarterback played against this team, well, it's been kind of a minute because you look at Virginia, if you want to talk about a quarterback that's going to throw the ball for a zillion yards, the last guy to do that was Armstrong, and he had 268 yards against this team, scoring 30 points as Virginia beat the Canes in Miami. So that's that last time that really solid quarterback like that's come up. Miami has not played Wake Forest this season. Um, but it just – I don't really see how picking Miami is a very logical choice in here. Pittsburgh has been probably the best or the second-best team in the ACC. Miami allows 400 yards per game on defense. They've been terrible. I just – they allow 30 points per game. 30, ah, ah. <laughs> it's just really hard to confidently pick Miami here. I have Pittsburgh by a good amount. They're favored yeah, by nine. Man. And speaking of a good amount, um, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party um, is going down this weekend. In With Jackson, zero hype. Florida. <laughs> no no hype in this game. <laughs> holy crap. Florida is going to get destroyed by approximately a million points in this game. Because the only thing that Florida does well, I mean, they play some good defense. The only thing that Florida does well on offense is run the ball. And this is the best rushing defense that we've seen since 2011 Alabama, which is the best rushing defense of all time. Yeah, and Florida's offense is better than Georgia's on most of the metrics. It is better. But again, when you're playing... Georgia hasn't even been playing with JT Daniels, though. They haven't played with Seth Bennett. That's what I'm saying is that when you're playing a defense that's this comically good compared to everything else, and I mean comically, it's sort of like, well, who cares if your offense is better? Because it's not leagues better. It's marginally better. And when your marginally better offense plays a leagues better defense, again, this is one of those games where I would desperately love to see a Florida win. That would make my rent-free self absolutely overjoyed. 
But sadly, that's not going to happen. I have actually had many friends of mine ask me, what happens if the Braves win the World Series and Georgia wins a national title? How will you deal with that mentally? And I said, well, the thing is, Georgia's heavily favored to do that now. And the Braves just lost tonight, actually, making the series 1-1. So let's let's hold our horses. We're not there yet. So um, that would put me in a mental fortitude uh, situation or mental you know, breakdown level situation, but we're, we're, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're just got to get past this game. We're just got to get past this game. Because at the end of the day, this game is always is typically pretty crazy. Florida's been well in the series recently, winning last year. Do I think they're going to be close in this game? No. But would it be really funny if they did? Yes. And I do hope it is close, but it probably won't be. Fair. Well, let's go to a game that I think is going to be pretty hotly contested um, Ole Miss goes to Jordan Hare to face the Auburn Tigers. And look, I like Ole Miss. I like the land train. I'm all aboard the land train. We know I actually picked them against Alabama. Um, bet on them, at least, against Alabama. Yeah, that turned out real well. Um, I've actually got Auburn in this game. Um, and that's because I think Bo Nix might have the best game of his career against this Ole Miss defense that like couldn't stop a stationary object. <laughs> uh, Ole Miss couldn't anyone. Ole Miss couldn't stop an avalanche when it's already finished three days ago. <laughs> Ole Miss couldn't stop a high school football team, a well-coached high school football team at this point. Um, their defense is awful. I think Bo Nix goes for a career day, um, and I, I've got the Auburn Tigers in this one. I think the home field advantage will play a big part, too. Um, uh, their defense is just a little enough. Bet- their defense is better than Mississippi by enough margin to where I trust them to win this game at home. I've liked Matt Corral so much more than Bo Nix this season, and especially Matt Corral on the ground where he's been incredibly effective, that I think that Ole Miss can still come out and win this game. Now, again, I think this game is just like the other one, where do I believe there is a wrong choice in this game? Honestly, no. I think either team can win this game. I think it's going to be a really close game. I am extremely excited to watch this game. This is going to be a ton of fun to watch. Day before Halloween, 7 o'clock on ESPN, sign me up. I'm thrilled to watch this game. And again, having personal ties to both teams, I really don't really mind who wins. But I think Ole Miss may win this. Part of it may be pulling a U where I'm kind of picking a little differently just to make things a little more interesting here. But I just I, – I, I believe Ole Miss still has it in them. I think they still they got it in them. They've been surviving the last couple of weeks. After this, they play Liberty, who's been falling apart, both actually as the – football team and the institution, if you want to read up on what's been going on in Liberty. Um, yeah, it's been interesting. And then um, A&M, which is going to be obviously a huge game. Vanderbilt, that'll be easy, and Mississippi State should not be that difficult. So this is kind of the big game. Again, we know Texas a is going to be hard, but this is kind of the big game for them. So I think they're going to pass the test. I think the Alabama game was just because it was Alabama, and I think they may pull out a big win here. And again, I do hope they do, but it could be a lot of fun. Well, Vegas has Auburn by two and a half. We'll see if they can cover that. Over under 66. Penn State, Ohio State. This game was going to be like game of the year about 
until three weeks ago. <laughs> Penn State pulled a Penn State. Until Penn State pulled a Penn State and got their two losses, and now they're going for three uh, because oh. Ohio State's going to win this game by – they might win this game by two million points. It, it, they're favored by 18 and a half, which is honestly disrespectful, but uh, kind of fair. <laughs> like, it's fair. fair, but it's but it's really sad. And the, the funny thing – There is always the chance that Penn State actually shows up to play. There is also there's the a fact, chance they could cover. I think they may cover this for 18 and a half. I think they could cover this. I think they, they can could, cover. They I think cover. they can cover. They get up for this game. Now it's also yeah. a fact that Penn State always loses to Ohio State. <laughs> and that's gonna happen again. <laughs> Ohio State's have, winning this game. There's no question are, about it. They are unable to win this game. It, it is shocking how much this team has they're definitely aware shockingly allergic to beating the game Ohio is State. Rig- the game is rigged against them. They rigged the game against themselves. They come in the hyping themselves time. up for Ohio State every single year, and then they forget to play football against Illinois. I actually went back through and looked at it again. You know how many times that Penn State has beaten Ohio State since 2012? Zero. The answer is actually one. Ah. And it was 2016 when Penn State actually had the Rose Bowl season, and they won 24 to 21 against Urban Meyer. You're correct. And didn't... then they lost by one point. Then they lost by one point. Then they lost by 11 points, and then they lost by 13 points. And this year might be 20. <laughs> it might be 20. So yeah, it's been kind of sad. They look. Uh... Illinois rushed for 300 yard, 300 plus yards on this team. Um, I think Travion Henderson might go for 200 pretty easily. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just depressing to watch this team yeah. at yeah. this rate. Um, they yeah. just they I, they yeah. get it off, <laughs> get it off, go away, go away. Penn State Penn is just State. allergic to Penn winning State. big games. Just go away if you're not going to ever show up for these games. Just go away. Be done. You lose quicker, so we don't have lose to deal quicker. with this. Like. Be be worse earlier in the season, so we don't like hype you up. For speaking of teams that that often have lost quicker, we have North Carolina against Notre Dame. Now Notre Dame usually loses slowly. Sadly, they usually make us drag on the whole. And Notre Dame is back up to eleven. What do you know? This uh... awful Notre Dame team, by the way, (laughs) a Notre Dame team that does not even deserve a top fifteen ranking. Okay, what did I tell you about what Notre Dame does every year? What did I tell you? I said. They're going to be at least four to five teams on their schedule by barely anything, and the teams will suck. And then they'll lose to one actually good team, and then they may beat somebody decent. Yes. And what happened? What happened? Florida State beat by three. Toledo beat by three. Purdue beat by 14. They killed Wisconsin, but Wisconsin turned out to suck. Lose to Cincinnati by 11 at home. And then beat Versari Virginia Tech by three. Syracuse beat Virginia Tech by more. Don't forget that. And then they beat USC by cleaning them out, but we already know USC is not very good. And then you play a UNC team that's wildly overrated, an awful Navy team, a decent UVA, an awful Tech, and then a pretty bad Stanford. So On your way watch to them the win out. Bowl. Watch them win out and watch then be 11 to 1 and their get a New Year's Six bowl. bowl. No, watch them get a New Year's Six Bowl. I, I hate Notre to speak Dame into plays- existence, but. Notre Dame is going to get beat by 30 points. 
by any top 10 team in the country. Watch it happen. I, I, I hate it. They watch them make no the New offense. Six Jack Cohn is painful to watch. I legitimately hate watching this Notre Dame <laughs> offense. Like, it's it brings so me pain. I don't want to watch Notre Dame play football anymore. Their offense stinks. I don't ever – I want nothing to do with Jack Cohn. I, I don't ever want to lay eyes on him on a football field ever again because that guy is me. he is just right here. the worst to watch he just stands around and take hits and delivering ducks and check downs oh here's another well, two yard uh, pass and here here's the thing there is an efficient way to be checked down charlie you can be checked down charlie and still get first downs and move the ball there is also an inefficient way to be checked down, Charlie, where you just toss it behind the line of scrimmage, swing pass, two-yard drag that gets tackled right away. Like th- 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 Those are the types of throws that Jack Cohen makes, um, and, and it brings me grave pain uh, to watch this Notre Dame offense play. That being said, they're probably going to beat North Carolina this weekend, so I've got Notre Dame. <laughs> At the end of the day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's still say like Notre Dame wins this game, sadly. As much as we all we all hope they lose, but they're probably not going to lose. But North uh, next Carolina up, um, is incapable of winning football games. Next up, we have UCLA versus Utah, which I only put this game in because we were kind of running out of decent games on the slate yet again. But I and thought it's about, Pac-12 you know after what? dark. That's what I was thinking. Actually we're, missing a game. we're missing a Pac-12 after dark game, and it's UCLA versus Utah, which is actually a pretty decent game that has some real Pac-12 South implications, which – I know it doesn't really mean a big deal, but it's Act something. There's something. Yeah, this There's game has huge here. conference USA. Okay, no, 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 no. But is it a more important game than Washington, Washington State this year? Yes, it does mean more than that, which I know is scraping the bottom, of the, scraping below the bottom of the barrel. But at least there's something there. So I say, the bottom of you the know apple what? basket. You <laughs> exactly. You you can never you can never hate on Pac-12 after dark. It's, that's why I'm picking this game, and it's UCLA Utah. And honestly, I would have gone with Utah if they didn't blow it to Oregon State last week. So I'm going to go with UCLA because losing to Oregon is a lot less embarrassing than losing to Oregon State. Yeah, this is a spite pick. Utah blew my bet last week. Uh, <laughs> I got UCLA. Uh, spite TCU, pick. TCU versus Kansas State. This is also a spite pick, and this time it's this my is a million. <laughs> This is a million percent. I didn't I even check the labeling. stats for this game. I did I need, no research for this film. I need to start labeling spite picks because we need to keep a record of my spite picks. Um, <laughs> this TCU team is awful. Um, Chris Anderson. I just, I just hate watching this team. Sorry, Chris Kleeman is probably a better coach than Gary Patterson at this point. I have zero faith in this team on the road in Manhattan, Kansas. You can't get up for this game. It's not just that TCU won't get excited and get up for this game. They can't. You're in Manhattan, Kansas. There is no possible way you can be excited to play this weekend, especially when you're three and four. Um, And I look, these guys don't want to stay over Christmas break to play in the tax slayer bowl. Come on. They would rather go five and seven and go home to spend Christmas with their families than play in some meaningless bowl game 
against another shit power five team or worse, a good group of five team that we inevitably lose to. So yeah, TCU is going to lose this game and it is very much 100% a spite pick. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I think it's understandable. Uh, next up, we have Virginia Tech versus Georgia Tech, which I kind of hate this game is coming up because I would definitely be picking against Virginia Tech against basically anybody at this point because Virginia Tech has done nothing but disappoint me. But there's a team that has done more than that, and that's Georgia Tech, which, you know what? Because uh, thing is, I'm looking at Tech, and I'm kind of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I might actually revisit this pick. But you know the reason why I'm revisiting this pick? Because I did zero research on it. I just saw Georgia Tech and said they're going to lose. But then I look at it again, and I realized that Virginia Tech has the same record, a worse conference record. They're, they're Georgia Tech's favorite by four, and Virginia Tech has a significantly worse offense, which is kind of shocking. But now Tech does have a worse defense, but Tech averages scoring a lot more points. It's in Bobby Dodd. And Syracuse, or sorry, Virginia Tech is coming off a three-game losing streak in which they've looked really bad in all three of those games. So I think I'm going to change my pick. And it's not just pro-Georgia Tech, because again, I have, as you've heard, dished out a lot of hefty criticism for this Tech team. But Virginia Tech is just really, really bad. And I get that, that Georgia Tech hasn't played particularly great. Either both these teams lost to Pitt pretty easily, but... Virginia Tech has won one game in their last five attempts, and it was against Richmond, and they won by 11. And I know Georgia Tech hasn't looked that good so far, but they still have done a lot better than beating Richmond by 11 and no one else in their last five games. That's all. Virginia Tech has been trending massively down in the last month I know the Pac-12 South is bad, but the ACC Coastal is the NFC East of college football. And you can't That's argue an insult to the NFC East. <laughs> that is at least the NFC, at least the winner of the NFC East does something in the postseason. <laughs> and they lost, wait, but they did something. Wait, are you the Cowboys doing no, something in the, the postseason? Oh no, 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 no! The winner of the NFC East, because I was saying that the Washington at least made it and put up a fight against Tampa before losing. They, that that's something in my book. That's more than the oh, ACC Coastal. That's yeah. going to say yippee for the for the cheese at Bowl in Orlando. Congratulations! The of the here's your uh, here's your participation medal. Uh, here's your participation trophy. Congrats! Ugh. You won the NFC East. You made the playoffs. You're going to get killed by Tampa Bay, and then they're going to win the Super Bowl. Um, I want nothing to do with this game, but give me Virginia Tech, I guess. Um, and then the last game of the week. Boston College versus Syracuse in another game that I want absolutely nothing to do with. <laughs> but Syracuse has looked a little bit better every week, and no one knows that better than you. You're at all the home I, games. Yes. a little bit better every I, week. I did want to say, I did want to say, I do need to apologize with you because we have 11 games as we always do in our slate, and I did want to apologize that three out of the 11 are ACC games. I just realized that, so I, I do apologize. A lot of I know. Uh, week, okay. Though. To be fair, two have to be because we always do Syracuse and Tech, but I, I apologize we had to add the third in there. So I know that's painful for all of us. But well, um but for, see, that's pretty painful too, usually. <laughs> that is true. That's true. We usually would add another one. Um but yeah, Syracuse favored by almost a touchdown in this game. They're very rarely favored by a lot, but they usually do pretty well when they're favored. Um so I don't know. I just feel pretty good about Syracuse in this game. Both of these defenses have been pretty solid, but not insane. 
my only problem with this uh, pick with Boston College in this game is that their rush defense is really not that great. And what does Syracuse do better than nearly anybody in the country is run the ball because Sean Tucker is the only player in the country right now with 1,000 rushing yards. Nobody else. And now Kenneth Walker is only three yards away, but nobody else has 1,000. And and Sean Tucker has 1,000. I think it's 1,060 something. So a pretty clean lead right there. But Syracuse has lost three games in a row by an incredibly small margin, only by three. And all three of those games had ample opportunity to win but couldn't close. And then they finally slammed the door shut against Virginia Tech in Lane Stadium, mind you. So, yeah, this this Syracuse team has been improving dramatically. Their offense has actually been improving dramatically. And I think that in this game they can pull out a win because if you look at Boston College's last three games, 13 points, 7 points, 14 points, and all three against teams that really weren't that good. So, yeah, Boston College's offense is absolutely horrible. They've only played decently offensively against Missouri, who we both know is not a good football team. So, yeah, that's that's the reason I'm going with Syracuse in this game. Boston College has no offense and no run defense, and that is the perfect combination to lose to Syracuse. Plus, the Orange basically have to win at this point if they want to make a bowl game, which is shockingly possible. The Syracuse Orange are very within striking distance of making a bowl game, which I can't believe it, but they have to win this weekend if they want a chance. Well, look, if you don't love Dino Babers <laughs> – as, oh, he'll cover. <laughs> I can guarantee you, you that. I love Dino Babers as an underdog. And I love how I just have this picture ready to go now whenever I want to use it. <laughs> if you don't love right Dino Babers as an underdog, you don't deserve to love Dino Babers as a favorite. Thankfully, no one loves Dino Babers as an underdog more than Yo Soy. And Dino Babers is going to cover as a favorite <laughs> this week. Oh, Dino Babers oh. <laughs> always covers. And Syracuse is going to win this game over Boston College. I can almost borderline guarantee it. Um, and Ooh. we will definitely Ooh. be bringing back uh, Mr. Babers next week um, as we talk about Dino and his uh, his coverage, uh, if you will. But if that is it for you, Jack, that is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Blanket Coverage podcast. We certainly hope uh, you are reading on gtdsports.com. I had my NFL roundup go up today. Um, a lot of thoughts on the Titans and the national media, as well as some rankings and tears and predictions and all that good stuff jack mine had mine his as well yep college winners and losers blog up uh go check it out um if you like reading good content online which who doesn't like reading good content online but for now once again thank you so much for listening i'm noah parker and i'm jack wallace peace, peace out, out y'all, y'all.